0: Hey, security peeps, we are back again with you at the Breaking into Cybersecurity Podcast, and I'm here with my awesome and amazing co-host, Chris Hollande, say hi to everyone, Chris. Hey, everyone. And the infamous <laughs> Ken <laughs> Underhill. If you don't know, now you know. Say hi to everybody, Ken.
1: <laughs> hey, everyone.
0: <laughs> so Ken, I am going to start, you need no introduction, really. Uh, but Ken is a former nurse. That's the rumor, who eventually broke into the cybersecurity field and helps train all of us, all of us cyber newbies and not so newbies, in um, what we need to learn in the cybersecurity space. He is. He has his own podcast. He's a trainer. The I think the most popular trainer on cyber.
1: We'll, we'll go with that. We'll
0: go with that no matter what. Yeah. You know, I love you all know whoever has been listening to this podcast, you know we love Cyberary because we talk about it all the time, about all the wonderful things that Cyberry can provide. So Ken, jump right in, tell us what got you into this crazy. You left one field of nursing and healthcare to get into cybersecurity.
1: Yeah, you know, chaos to chaos, right? <laughs> uh, you know, I started actually in IT many, many years ago before I was even in, in uh, healthcare um, and got out. I was tired of executives just sitting there like jamming their finger on the keyboard and locking it up and then screaming at me like it was my fault. So, so I said, let me get a change. And so I went uh, in the military, became a medic, and then a nurse, uh, got out, civilian side. And much of my time civilian side was spent as a pediatric nurse. So I know, Renee, you have kids. Uh, I have no kids, uh, and that pediatric nursing was enough for me. So I'm happy to have just a cat these days. (laughs) Um, And, uh, you know, I was working as a clinician, and um, I was like the only clinician that didn't click on malicious links and everything. So I was like, you know what? I'm tired of, like, teaching people and not getting paid. You know, I'm getting paid as a nurse and not what these tech people are getting paid. So let me go back to tech. Uh, So I kind of went back to like an IT type of role, sysadmin type of role, slash networking, slash jack of all trades, slash whatever else. Um, You know that uh, all of the duties as assigned like that (laughs) were definitely thoroughly abused. (laughs) Uh, And then from there, I just kind of naturally was doing security stuff. And so I went back and and got my graduate degree in that. Um, From there, that turned into a professorship, an adjunct professor thing, teaching digital forensics. I was still doing the healthcare stuff. And then um, I reached out to Cyberry. And wanted to teach like courses because I had used them for some of my certification prep and just wanted to kind of give back like most people do um, on the site. And I reached out to them, heard nothing. I was like, well, I'm not cool enough, I guess, you know. And then uh, several months later, I did hear back and they asked me to teach a course. And while I was actually filming that basic pen testing course on the site, um, we kind of talked and I said, hey, you know, I, I could do this a lot faster if you just make an offer then I can spend all my time on this. And so they, they actually did. I was joking around, but um, they actually did. And it's worked out. Um, and, yeah, like you said, I've uh, got a lot of students on the site, uh, a lot of courses. I forget how many now. And I've still got more in the works. So, um, yeah, that's kind of my, my brief background there. I've been doing the IT slash cyber stuff for a little over six years now um, is when I kind of made that transition back in, into the industry. That's
0: awesome.
2: Wow. So I guess you can say that there's some parallels between um, computer health and human health. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I think that's the next
0: podcast topic for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes. Make sure your system is up to date. <laughs> Take, Take care of your off. system. Yeah, maintenance. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's kind of my, my background there. Uh, wanna, I'm sure you guys have as many people have seen all my crazy goals I list on LinkedIn, 5 million people and all this stuff. Um, and really that's just trying to give back, right? Like, like we all are trying to do, we, we've had somebody help us uh, throughout the process and so we want to kind of give back and make it a little better for somebody else.
0: Well, what I love is when it's sometimes, not sometimes, all the time you post these, the funniest things on LinkedIn and you get people engaged and they're always sharing and trying to get people into do opportunities and help folks and, you know everyone that's been, especially this last month, the Cybersecurity Awareness Month, has been a, we've had a number of uh, podcast hosts and, and they talk about giving back. And then think about breaking into the field, uh, I think it was Alan Alford a couple of weeks ago that said, You know, it's, you can be in the field for just a short period of time and reach back and give back to people who are just now breaking in. And so, I just want to commend their the fact that you you're continuously doing
1: it it's like non stop and it's awesome. <laughs> yeah like I actually had I forget who it was but they they said all they had seen like one day in their LinkedIn feed was my post. I I finally hacked LinkedIn. Uh, no you know, and I think it's I think it's important Cybersecurity as an industry and in all the different facets, which I'm sure you guys have talked about many times on the podcast, all the different areas you can go into. Because some people think that cybersecurity is like one job and that's not the case. You know, it's an entire industry across. And it touches so many things, even in healthcare. Um, and I think that it's very stressful for many, many people you deal with, maybe a boss that's screaming at you or just the pressure of the job itself. And I always try to keep it a little lighter mood, especially like on LinkedIn, it's traditionally very business minded, very by the book, we can only do it this way. And I'm just I can't fit in that box. So I just I just kind of do my thing. And a lot of people have said that they've um, especially like the shout outs that I do. A lot of people have told me like, man, I was having the worst week possible at a work. And then I had seen you give me a shout out and it made my whole like week better. So um, I don't care about getting that type of response, but it's pretty cool to, to get that. So that's why I do what I do. And I, you know, post the cat memes and all that stuff. So. <laughs>
2: Fun. Well, well, tell us about your journey coming back from the medical field into the IT field. Like, was it quick and go or did did you have to <laughs> apply to like 101 jobs? Like, tell us about your journey.
1: So many tears. I mean, you just cry and cry and cry. Uh, in reality, um, I was lucky enough to have that nursing license. So what I did is I, I planned and I think that's where some, a lot of people go wrong. I planned it out. And so I said, Okay, well, with this nursing license how can I go back into IT? And so I kind of looked for jobs that bridge that gap. So specifically, I focused on um, job roles or jobs available that were uh, around EMR systems I, because I said, okay, I'm a clinician. Plus I've had a background in tech and I'm very tech savvy. So let me just try to get one of those types of roles. And I was fortunate enough to, um, actually the company I applied to, it was for a nursing job. I didn't even, I wasn't even trying to get the IT thing with them. Uh, and as I interviewed with them, the lady said, hey, like, we've thought about creating this position over here. Would you be interested in that? It's like kind of doing that EMR stuff or whatever. And I was like, yeah, sure, why not? You know, so uh, that was kind of like the how I got back into it. And then, uh, you know, one of those things which I'm sure, Chris, you probably dealt with in, in jobs is – once they see you can do certain things, they kind of keep dumping and dumping and dumping Mm -hmm. the workload on you. Um, And so that's where I kind of went back into like more of the sysadmin network engineer stuff. And then plus still doing the EMR stuff there. Um, And then from there, it was more about just continuously learning all the time. Um, And then when I went back to school to uh, go for the graduate degree, that's when I, somebody had mentioned cyber, I'd never heard of them before. Um, and they said, yeah, it's free, free training. I was like, I'm all about free. I will take it. Uh, so I uh, started using them there. So, yeah, I mean, it wasn't um, I don't want to say it was an easy transition. It's just I was prepared because I had done it before many years before. Um, and so I was always kind of tech savvy and keeping up with troubleshooting stuff. And um, as you guys probably know, and listeners probably know, when you mentioned that, you know, anything about tech at all, You're immediately the help desk for everyone, you know, friends, family, (laughs) strangers on the street. Uh, And so that's how you get more of the practice and just kind of get your hands on stuff going as well. So um, it, it wasn't an easy transition, but I planned appropriately and I found that the strength I found the strengths I had already and then used those to pivot into back into the industry.
0: What is EMR? So people know.
1: Oh, electronic medical record, or in the hospital, it's normally called EHR, electronic health record. So basically, just the the system the doctors using to to have your patient chart in there. Right,
0: and cool. usually there isn't a person, or it's I guess harder to find in that industry. Harder to find people who know that skill, who have that skill.
1: Yeah, it's tough, especially like with Epic, which is a popular one in most of the hospitals. Uh, it's tough to find somebody that's kind of got that clinical background as well as the tech side that can break down something and explain it properly. Um, it's very easy to find somebody that's technical savvy, right, and plug them into that role. It's easy to find a clinician that's really good on that medical side, but that's not technically savvy at all. But it's tough to find that that sweet spot, that unicorn, so to speak, that can do both of those. So, yeah. And which so is that, kind of a... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I was going to say that unicorn, which is what it seems like every job posting in cyber now is looking for. Yeah. Um, you need 11,000 11, certifications and 12 degrees and minimum wage entry level. So,
0: yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> that's, my that's
1: my tan. I'll get off my soapbox. <laughs>
0: don't, don't get me started, Ken. <laughs> um, what I wanted to point out to the to the listeners and to the viewers is every time we get, you know, we talk about the cross section, the, the transitioning, the different careers, transitioning into careers. And I always tell people, don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. So the saying, you know, you want to start from the year starting from the bottom. You don't have to. So can transition, you had this tech, you had this medical background, you brought that skill with the knowledge, with the other experience and skills and brought that to the table and that's how you were able to segue in. So I just want to kind of reiterate that because we get that often when people, they are coming from a different industry, they think they have to completely start at the bottom which is not the case, or they think they don't, they don't realize bringing in that transferable skill, that these additional skills are so important. And there are jobs out there that are looking for you as a unicorn, where you may not think you're a unicorn, but you are to somebody.
2: <laughs> yeah. And then uh can also mention that once you're in, if you show that you have a competency in something else, they'll keep adding to that and adding to that and adding to that. So once you get your foot in a door for a company that you might like doing a role that You'll be happy with for right now, but maybe it's not your dream role. Then you can start getting additional responsibilities and working your way up.
1: Yeah, yeah absolutely. You know, and, and I think um, one person that touches on that a lot is Kirsten Brazier, which I'm, I'm sure you guys know. Um, she talks about that a lot. Of like, okay, look at the company that you want to work at, and figure out what skills you have and how you can fit in that company right now. And then from there, once you show them like you're a good worker, you're learning, you know, you're a good fit for the team. Then you can say, yes, I want to start taking on more security stuff, and then they'll naturally plug you into those areas, at least most good companies will. So that's, yeah, a lot of people I speak to, and and most of them don't listen to me, unfortunately, but um, a lot of people I speak to, I got to go get a master's degree in cybersecurity, and that's how I'm going to get in. And as soon as I get that or these certifications, like I'm going to get this. Six-figure salary, and it's all going to be peachy. And then, uh, you know, a year later, you talk to them, and they're doing the same. They're working the same job. They're still trying to get into the industry, and they won't listen to you because you're like, "Well, maybe you need to relocate. Maybe because there's no jobs in your area. Maybe you need to try to just get your foot in the door at a company, at a security company, maybe a product-focused company." They still don't want to listen. You know, at a certain point, you're like, "Okay, you know everything. Um, I'll see you in another year when you're still working that same job." Yeah, it's like good
0: luck. Yeah, what was your biggest, um, Brian, who's on the, who's actually chatted in, what was your biggest challenge switching
1: careers? Um, I think the biggest challenge is you getting, your, you getting in your own way. Um, and, I, you know, like I said, I, I'm pretty tech savvy. And I was still like, well, when I look through job postings, I'm like, well, I don't have that. I don't have that. I don't have that. And at a certain point, I was just like, well, what I do have is that I can literally learn software in a day. Like a lot of these uh, products out there, uh, that these vendors are offering, I can learn these things in a matter of hours and be proficient in them. And I was like, well, if I can do that with with all these different things that I've done over the years, I can do this with any EMR system. Yeah, maybe it takes me a week or two, but I can learn it. And in fact, when I when I had gotten um, that first role there and learned their EMR system, they were shocked because their their super user that they had it took him almost a year to learn the level I had in like two weeks. So. It's just, you you really get in your own way sometimes of saying, well, I don't meet all these criteria. Let me not apply for this job. Apply for that job. Now, if it's a CISO job and you're trying to get in the industry, like, come on, be a little realistic here. Don't waste anybody's time. But if it's like a SOC analyst, you know, cybersecurity analyst type role, then take that shot, apply for it. You never know if they'll see your resume and then say, well, you don't have the experience for this, but we've got this other thing we just created. And we were talking about in the meeting yesterday, the jobs just created today. Do you want to come in for an interview on that one? So, and that's actually happened to me several times throughout my career. I've just kind of like talked to people, and they're like, "Oh, yeah, we literally just created this job yesterday. Do you want it?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'll take it." So, <laughs> don't, don't get in your own way is probably the best advice I can ever give you.
2: Do Do you ever feel like you suffer from imposter syndrome?
1: All the time. I mean, that's. <laughs> I mean, all the time. And I also own, own a, a, my consulting business where I do uh, online marketing and stuff like that you're always gonna feel like an imposter. The thing you have to remember is that you know more than somebody else and there's always somebody that's gonna know more than you. So every single day I wake up, I'm like, I know nothing about cybersecurity at all. And then I'm like, oh yeah, I actually do. Cause then I teach a course and and I'm like, yeah, I know all this stuff. A lot of people don't. Um, And then same thing like with with the business side of things, I'll I'll be like, "I I have no clue on all these things. Somebody else is smarter than me. And then like I make money for clients and they're like, yay. And I'm like, oh, I guess I do know something. So yeah, you're you're always going to get that, and I think recognizing that the only thing you can keep doing is continuously learning, and that you'll never know everything. Those are sort of things that I fall back on, and I, I, you know, like my warm little blanket, I wrap myself in. So um, that's all I can do.
0: I was going to add that you are so proficient at social media. I mean, (laughs) and and seriously, I think that one of the things that come, you know, you do it so well you are out there all the time to your point somebody saw four or five of your posts all at once it's just like yeah I did it Um so many people can learn from being self deprecated you know being you know, sh- sharing good content interesting content funny content and mm-hmm. I think people tend to get so um stressed out like they don't know what to do they don't know where to start What would you tell them in terms of getting started and just um building that social media presence which i know has brought probably tons of opportunities to you because you know we all chris and i know that it's done so much for us Mm -hmm. being on linkedin sharing information providing our you know commenting and what have you so talk a little bit about that and how that can help people when they're trying to break into the industry
1: sure um i'll say number one know your audience i i had a linkedin account years ago and i just did the traditional thing that all the gurus told you to do right you know friend everybody and and all this stuff and i kept getting blocked by linkedin like every couple of days Um, and then i deleted that account because it was worthless to me right because i was just making a bunch of random connections and there's no focus at all Um, and then when i decided to get another linkedin account and come back to it i really went in with a focus i said twofold number one of course cybersecurity industry people Um, And then also the business side of things, because I understand a lot lot of business owners don't understand security at all. So I wanted to kind of bridge that gap. So that was my target audience that I went into it with. And then from there, what I decided was like, okay, what do these people actually care about? You know, yes, everyone's posting about the latest breach. Everyone's posting this or that. You'll know you guys have probably seen. I don't really post about breaches too much. I, I mean, that's that's. Honestly, that's old news. There's always going to be a breach. Oh, there's always going to be something. And everyone else is doing that. And I'm like, okay, well, how do you cut a, cut through all that noise and everything? The easiest way to do that is figure out, like, how can people enjoy them li- their lives? Like, everyone's still a human. And what do people like? And so start, when you connect with people, start seeing, like, what are they posting? And they're hopefully they're not all posting about breaches. Hopefully it's something else. Like, oh, my kid's this or that. Oh, I got a new car. Whatever it is, figure out something that they are doing that's not cybersecurity related, something they're interested in. It might be a skill they list or something that's random, like, okay, maybe they know how to do video editing. And you're like, well, how does this person know that? Right. Ask them about that. So anything like that. And that's actually how I started, like kind of building it. I was sending, sending people messages after I connected with them saying, Oh, I see you have this skill or I see you posted about this. That's kind of interesting. How'd you get into that? And you start building those relationships. And then once you get enough connections, it's pretty easy to then send someone a connection request because you've got mutual connections and you can start growing it from there. Um, One of the biggest value points that I've heard a lot of people don't use is LinkedIn offers birthday notifications. Now, whether those are real birthdays or like you know the social media birthdays, like the fake ones like I do, um, you still get like a notification on a certain amount of people or whatever every day. And I use those and I just say happy birthday. Hope you enjoy your day, you know, Dave, Renee or Chris or whatever. Um, And that simple message has built a lot of connections for me and opened up a lot of opportunities for me just from personalizing the social media. So, number one, make sure you know your audience and and go in with an actual mission of like, okay, what do I want to do with this? Don't just go in and make connections. It doesn't matter if you've got, I think the limit is what, 30,000 connections on LinkedIn, if none of them are valuable to you. But... If you go in there and you've got 600 connections and every single one is strategic and those can open up job opportunities for you. So someone getting into the industry, if your goal is to get a job, start networking with the thought leaders of the industry, start connecting with them and see how you can give them value. Do not send them a message. And I'm saying this from experience from people sending me a thousand messages. Do not send a message saying, please, 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 I need a job. That's not gonna work. It's a big turnoff. I'll probably block you immediately. Um, And In best case scenario, I'll tell you, like, go use a free resource and learn some stuff. But it's just a waste of somebody's time. Just go in there and say, hey, how can I help you on some projects? How can I help you with, you know, are you going to be at this conference? And um, also, when you do your post, tag some of those people that you know are, like, in your local area that maybe are going to that conference. Tag them like, hey, I'm going to be at the conference. It would be great to meet up. That's how you build connections and how you take them offline. And that's how you build those real relationships that can lead to jobs, can lead to growing your business whatever
2: the case might be. And say someone wants to follow down your path of doing training and they they might be good at relating people. They might be good at summarizing uh, complex topics for someone else to understand. Um, Any recommendations on them following your path?
1: Yeah, I mean, if if they want to, um, I think... Uh, one thing to keep in mind is that you always, you're always you always a chapter ahead of somebody else in the book, right? So even if you're a student, and I've talked with many people that are in their college degree programs, and so even though you're a student, you still might be an expert in Java programming, right, or Python or something like that, because you've been doing it for 10 years. Just because you're not a degreed yet, you don't have certifications, doesn't mean you don't know it. You know it very well, and you can explain it very well. So if you're going to go down that path, just understand that you've got skills you've already built up and that you know, and go ahead and just do those. Now, as far as like filming online courses, it's going to depend on the platform that you put it on. Obviously, like YouTube is a little less restrictive on audio and that sort of stuff. Um, your audience will tell you if you suck. Uh, but other platforms like, you know, like a cyber or, or one of those, there's quality standards in place, but they'll most of them will coach you in some capacity through the process or give you like a blog or something to follow or give you some example videos. So just understand that you're, if you've never done it before, you're not going to be an expert right off the bat. Like I totally sucked at my very first course ever. And people were not shy about letting me know. And that was over on um, uh, udemy.com. It was a customer service course, terrible, terrible course, a lot of hate mail. Um, but instead of getting sad and crying in a corner and saying, Oh, I can never do this again. I was like, okay, well what's like the legit feedback here? You know, there was a lot of hate mail. A lot of people were just jerks, but some of it was good stuff like, hey, here's a tip on your audio. Here's a video you should go watch. Here's some free training on this or that. And so I took those and I learned and then I started building better courses. So for anyone that wants to go on the journey of like online course creation, just understand it's a process you're going to have to develop, just like learning anything else. It's going to take time. You're going to suck at first, probably. If you don't, I want to shake your hand because you're, you know, that's really awesome to be awesome right out the box. But normally you're going to suck. Your first couple of courses, and that's okay because you just want to get that feedback from everyone and, and improve yourself.
0: Good point. I'm going to take them. I'm supposed to be creating a course for you for I don't know months now. So it's now years. I'm going to now i been, I'm years to, now, it's been years. now I'm going to corner you and then have you uh, coach me. You're going to be like on my shoulder. Do this, do that, do that, this. There you go. <laughs> awesome. you're muted
2: oh you're muted Chris oops do you have any tips or um, <laughs> frameworks that you use to help absorb absorb the information quickly um, because you sound like you you learn things so quickly how do you do that any tips yeah. for people um,
1: straight up hands-on for me it's it's hands-on learning I can watch videos all day long and I will just fall asleep I can read a book and on something technical and I will just fall asleep but if I like go do it, and break stuff, I I can figure it out pretty quickly. Um, I mean, it's really, really quick at that point. So just understand your own learning style. Like some people can read a book and they're really good on that. They can read a white paper and they learn everything. They can watch a video course only and they learn everything. Um, I'm just one of those people I have to do it hands-on. If I don't, I'm not gonna learn it and I'm definitely not gonna retain it for any period of time.
0: That's good advice, really good advice. So for the folks who um, usually, you know, the question mark is, like how they come to you how do i break in or get me a job which is we've already been there i i have a funny story myself which i was just like do you guys all know Gary you Yeah, you know yeah. that Gary v. i wanted to i wanted to send this guy that sent me a message at Gary V. because it was just like that the messenger you sent me like i need a job and i want to i have a couple years of experience but i want to be a I want to be able to vote with you, you can with me. but anyway um what would you recommend you've taught so many different classes you know Mm -hmm. you've broken in if somebody does not know even where to start so they're they're like you know i want to break into the industry what's step one for you especially coming from uh, what what i like about your background and what makes to me what makes you really unique is that not only are you you're, you're a trainer like you're training these people so what's the What's step one for them? Like, I hear a lot of people saying to me, oh, people have told me go do a, you know, get an A-plus or or take that course first or to do that, get that certification and then a security plus and on and on. Like, what's your recommendation?
1: So I think it's going to depend depend on the ultimate route you want to go. But I would say just as a generalized thing, you don't have to, I wouldn't waste money on an A plus cert. I, I think that's a waste of money, but you could go buy a book on it or a course and just watch it and learn that. I think it's important to get the fundamentals is kind of what I'm getting to. Um, you got to learn Linux. You got to learn basic networking. If you get those fundamentals, then you can actually dive into security. How, my question would be like, how can you actually secure something and you don't you don't understand it? You don't understand how a network communicates. You don't understand if I say the term VLAN, you have no clue what I'm talking about. If I say uh, VMware, you don't even know what that is. You know, like these fundamental things, you have to get the fundamentals. So focus first. If you want to get into cybersecurity, I always tell people focus first on becoming like a sys admin help desk or network engineer, admin, something like that. Work that for a year or two, get your feet wet, even go to be a software developer for a year or two, get your feet wet, kind of see how an enterprise functions at that level. And then from there, pivot over to cybersecurity and start maybe on the defensive side of the house going SOC analyst or or whatever. I think it I think it's a mature way of thinking about it because you're doing a disservice to the industry if you don't understand the fundamentals and you can't effectively secure stuff. Like we can throw all sorts of bells and whistles on a network, but the reality is if you don't understand that a user clicking this can decimate all that then you're not going to be a good security practitioner. So I think starting with the fundamentals, people don't want to hear that usually. They don't, I don't want to put in the work. I don't, I just want to come in and make six figures and get <laughs> a master's degree and and be right in in a CISO job. We all started at the fundamentals, at least all of us that are legitimately in the industry um, that you look up to. We all started with the fundamentals. And so you don't have to get certifications. certification. I, I want to stress that. Like, I think they're beneficial. I think a college degree, if that's something that you want to do, I think that's beneficial, but... The reality is if you can just get that first like IT job, if you're if you're coming from like no IT background at all, if you can get that first IT job, get some experience, and then from there, you're naturally gonna be doing security-related things, right? As a help desk, you're gonna be doing IAM. You know, as a network engineer, you're gonna be securing and configuring firewalls and routers and switches, and so all these things and sims, you know. So you're gonna get exposure to security and you're not really realizing it because you're thinking I got to get a job that says cybersecurity in the title. But just start with the fundamentals and work your way from there. Now, if you're coming from like an IT background, think about the things that you're doing right now that are security related. So if you're a network engineer or something, you're doing a lot of things related to security. Start putting those out on your resume. Start using those as your talking points when you go to conferences. And in fact, start doing talks at conferences. You know, even if they're security conferences, say, this is how I secure this, you know, my, my company's network very well, or this is some Uh, some of the challenges we had migrating to the cloud or something like that in my company. It doesn't matter that you're just IT, just you wanna start pivoting yourself to being security and kind of going back to what you touched on earlier, Renee, I highlighted my strengths. I figured out what my strengths were when I was going to pivot back into the tech realm. And that's what you need to do for yourself. So if you're IT already, figure out out the strengths that are security related and pivot on those. If you have no background at all, Focus on getting those fundamentals first and then pivoting off those to get into security. So that's kind of my best advice on that.
0: So, what do you say to the people who, and that's excellent advice. Now, for the folks who are either in a degree program, um, you know, either in a bachelor's degree program or a master's degree pro- program, and I don't want to, I hate to use the word sold into. This you know idea that you could go get this masters and then show up and then be in a um go and then be in a cybersecurity role versus taking that master's because this this is the 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 rub that we get right you have somebody they've spent a lot of money going to get a master's degree from X university they have it now and they're like where's this job that was promised or dangled right <laughs> for this masters and granted. Even if it's not hundred grand, okay, where's the 90 grand job? Where's the, the 88 grand job, whatever, in cybersecurity versus your what you just described, which is you know taking a parallel, you know, something else. They might say, they might say, Hey, Ken, I just paid all this money, I got a master's in cybersecurity. Why am I going to sit on the help desk? So what do you say to that?
1: Well, you have to humble yourself, number one, because you may be sitting on the help desk if you actually want that job to pay your bills. Uh, but I would say that. If you have a master's degree, what you can do is you can, a lot of universities, you can try to be an adjunct. Um, and that will be something to put on your resume that's security related, right? Because maybe you can teach, I don't know, pen testing or whatever at the university level. That's something legit that's a security job, right, that you can put on the resume that might open up further doors. So don't don't count that type of stuff out. now. I can tell you from experience, you are not going to make like any money at all doing that. So you will want to find something full time that you can do like a real job. Um, But that's something you just want to try to be strategic and get stuff on your resume. Now, even an undergrad degree, there are some online universities that will allow you to teach like certain courses for them with an undergrad degree. So don't count yourself out with that as well. I would say still apply for all those adjunct roles and just see what happens. Um, And the reality is, yeah, you you have to humble yourself because nine times out of 10, just because you have a master's, you're not going to get the role. I mean, there's people I know with master's experience in the industry, plus a handful of certifications, and they can't find jobs right now. So for you to be a brand new graduate thinking you're going to like get the job over someone like that, that's just not reality. you know. And and, and you see that a lot with these boot camps. And I, I think I did one episode on my podcast about boot camps, yep. and I went off on a tangent because I had one uh, that someone had mentioned they spent like Ah, gosh, I think it was like fifteen thousand dollars on this cybersecurity boot camp. I still don't even know what that is because it's not cybersecurity is not a job. Um, and they spent all this money, and they're like, "Well, how do I get a job now? I did this boot camp, and they trained me on this and this and this." And I was like, "They trained you on like fourteen different job roles. Like they give you like a taste of all of them, but you don't have any skills in those, so you're going to keep working your same job, <laughs> you know, for right now until you can find something like IT or something like that." So. Yeah, I just I think there's a, a disservice with a lot of that. There's some really good schools out there. I mean, you know, I did my master's at Western Governors um, University, of Maryland University College, UMUC. It's called something else now, Global something or rather. Um, mm-hmm. Doctor, you would be able to tell you, but those are a couple of good schools that I know off the top of my head, right? But still, even going through a university program doesn't for it doesn't necessarily train you specifically for a job because it's, mm-hmm. it's tough because and I'll say it. I'll say this. A lot of hiring managers, a lot of companies have no clue what they want. So there's like no way for them to really take your degree and know that that's what they want. So you have to be able to position yourself. And the way to do that is to figure out what's that job posting say? What skills you, do you have that might check off some of those on that list they want? And then send that over to them and let them you know figure it out and potentially bring you on. So... Um, it's sad that you're in a degree program that you're spending a lot of money, hopefully not too much. Hopefully you're not doing like Princeton or Harvard or something like that, thinking that that's going to get you the job. Um, but you, you just have to really focus on your skills at that point. Like what can you bring to the table? And networking is probably the biggest component of all that. This industry, you get jobs because you network. Yeah. You get jobs. I, I'm able to give people jobs because they network with me and they say, I'm trying to do this. I give them some advice. They actually take it. They do the thing, they get the skills, they talk to the person I told them to talk to, and they get the job. So networking is the biggest component of any of that. Don't forget about degrees, certifications, all that stuff. Networking is the biggest component. Um, The secondary component, I would say, is personal branding. So going back to what we were talking about on social media, figure out how to brand yourself. And I would say at, at a minimum, if you want people to know your skills without you having to hope to get a job interview to get the skills shown, then start filming youtube videos just do a screen recording of you doing something showing me how to do something show me how to set up an aws account it doesn't matter like yeah i know how to do that but somebody else doesn't so if you can show those skills it's showing a a hiring manager that number one you're giving back to the industry because you're filming these videos and number two that you have these skills that you claim to have on your resume
2: wow that's a lot of great advice and it's hard pressed to ask you my last final question. Is how do you how do you summarize that into one piece of advice that um, you, you would share with someone?
1: Listen to Renee and Chris. <laughs> right there. Um, the reality is, uh,
0: you know, no, stalk I mean, Ken.
1: <laughs> yeah, stock Ken. That's what um which apparently my my name now is Hype Man, uh, so I will so be uh, creating T-shirts and selling those soon. But anyway,
0: <laughs> as my as my five, my eight-year-old says, merch. So Hype Man merch. <laughs> there you
1: go. There you go. Um, I would say, just you really just have to to sort of sit down and get clarity on what you want to do. And it's tough when you're trying to break into the industry because you have no clue what you want to do. But I would say the way to do that is find either find conferences in your area where you can kind of get exposed to different things and talk to to different people to then figure out which way you wanna go. And the other side of that is if you're like, say, in India, like a lot of my students are, and you can't go to conferences or something like that, then take free online training in different areas and see what interests you. And then from there, make that the path that you decide to go on and and do everything that you're possible to to go down that path.
2: That's such great advice. That's usually the first thing I tell um, anyone that I coach is, really figure out where you want to go. And then from there, we can create a path forward.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Awesome. Well, Ken, it's been a long time coming. We have to have you back. Thank you I, so I, much.
1: I feel like a celebrity now. Like, I've, I'm like, all these other people get to get on there. Like, I'm not cool enough <laughs> quite yet. Um, now I feel like I'm basically, I'm
0: basically You did it. You made now. it. You made it. It's like you the that off your <laughs> list. Yes, yes, <laughs> the right, Oprah. Up,
1: right off the bucket list, yes.
0: <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, and we look forward. I mean, we have to bring you back on because we didn't even get to talk about your podcast or all this other stuff that you have going on. So we'll do a part two and bring you on um, for another special edition of Breaking Cybersecurity. So thank you.
1: All right. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks, everyone.
0: Bye.